Well, I'm not an expert. I'm not an authority. I'm someone who has been a murderer for almost 20 years. Maybe I should have killed four or 500 people, then I would have felt better. People say Ted Bundy didn't show any emotion. There must be something in that. I showed emotion. You know what people said? See, you really can't get violent and angry. Welcome to The Squonk and the Hag, a podcast about murder, mystery, the supernatural, and even a conspiracy or two. Dun, dun, dun. My name is Mo. And I'm Kraken. Welcome on in, guys, to another episode of The Squonk and the Hag. We are back this week. I survived the Detroit airport. Good, good. Always good to hear. Yeah, that was... Okay. Okay, okay. We're starting out on a tangent. It's one of those nights. So that is the most inefficient airport I have ever been to in my life. Like, we go and go to the TSA line and literally right in front of... So uh, a co-worker and I, uh, her name is Kayla, we... Our flights, like we went to separate airports, but our flights were at the same time. So we like used an Uber together and we went to the airport together and all that stuff. And we were getting in the TSA line and literally right in front of her, the TSA guard pulls a divider across and he's like, yeah, this one's backed up. You're going to have to go two floors down to the other one. That's lovely. And we're like, okay. So we go two floors down and two floors down is a different guy. And he's like, yep, nope, you got to go two more floors down. I'm like, why did you tell me two floors when it's four? Because as far as the guy up top knew, it was two floors, but then it's two more floors. Next thing you know, you're in the basement. <laughs> so we go, we get through TSA, yada, yada, yada. And then we had to split up because we were at different gates because different airports. Um, mm-hmm. So I, uh, I go and we get on the plane and everything's like honky dory. And I have never in my life had this happen. So I don't fly a ton, but I have flown for, you know, throughout my adult life. Mm-hmm. On the plane, we were in start and stop traffic on the taxi, the tarmac thing. See, I got lucky that the two times that I've ever flown, it was fine. There was no problems. There were no delays. No go here, then go there. Uh, dozens of flights. I have never had this happen, but we were on the plane and we'd roll forward and stop, roll forward and stop. And there were like 10 planes lined up to get onto the taxi. And I'm like, what the hell? Because I, I, I have been under the impression that airports mm-hmm. are like peak efficiency. You know, they figure out who's coming in, who's going, where, da, 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 and everything is all. Nope, not in Detroit. The only thing that happened on the second flight, so it was Frontier whenever uh, we flew down to Texas. Um, The only issue with that was they went from zero to full speed on the runway. And honestly, for a minute, I was like, I feel like I'm going to pass out. Oh, no. I was like, wait, I shouldn't be feeling like this. Wait a minute. Yeah, I've never flown Frontier. They're not bad, but it was just like, I think of the both times that I've flown, it was Frontier, but... That second time, they were just like, we're just going to go. Strap up, guys. Let's go. Hope you're buckled up. <laughs> but otherwise, it was like, it was a really good trip. Uh, clients really happy. Mm-hmm. Uh, yada, yada. Flights were fine. Nothing like too crazy or scary. Other than the fact that we were in bumper to bumper traffic in a plane. 
Funny how nature do that. Um, so, yes, before we get into the story, we did have an announcement, and I think this one's kind of exciting. So you guys may know <laughs> that next week is Halloween, but it falls on a Tuesday. And that so happens to be a Krakotale. Yeah, it's another Krakotale. So we're going to have two Krakotales in a row to make up for Krako getting sick and missing his week. So um, next week... Boy, has it been a past few weeks. Oh, I am so sorry, my dude. Um, but yeah, so next week we will be releasing on Tuesday instead of Thursday, just so we can hit Halloween. Um, it'll still be there for you on Thursday if you wait to listen, but it will also be available on Halloween if you want some spookiness for your life. That's all. That's my announcements. So right into Traumatized Mo Week, I picked two good ones that we're, that we're going to do here for the Halloween one and this one, so... We can peek behind the curtain and say that we're recording both episodes, to um, this week's episode and the Halloween episode, at the same time, so I get two Krakow Tales simultaneously. All right, kids, get your Advil or Tylenol. I don't know why I keep wanting to default to Advil. I it is Advil. It is Advil. Oh, it is. It always is Advil. Okay, I had it right. Advil liquid gels. Maybe we can get sponsored by Advil. Oh my, <laughs> I buy enough of it. Well, at the moment, my desk Advil is Advil Liquid Gel Minis. They're smaller capsules with the same amount of junk in them. Whereas the ones at on my nightstand are normal sized Advil. And the ones downstairs. And the ones in the bathroom are all normal sized Advil. See, you're not old yet. Once you get old, you will understand having a bottle of Advil on every in every room. Well, I don't have it in every room, but I do have a bottle of off-brand Advil or ibuprofen right beside my mm -hmm. bed. So, I mean, close enough. There you go. There you go. Yeah. You, 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 you're picking up what I'm throwing down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. But picking up very carefully because of back pain. <laughs> so if, if I said the word genie, you're probably thinking of a blue man who sounds like Robin Williams that comes out of a little golden lamp. Yeah. We're not talking about those genies tonight. What are we talking about? We're talking about the uh, the inspiration for those genies, the djinn. So supposedly the djinn come from a legendary mountain that was made by God. It is made out of shining emerald. It's called Mount Kof. Mm. The mountain is part of a very large mountain range that is the farthest point of the earth oh. and due to the remoteness of the mountain a lot of people think that it's the north pole oh it's somewhere around the north pole so santa lives there too maybe santa's a djinn maybe that's how he comes down chimneys easily actually that kind of lines up <laughs> it actually does <laughs> we figured it out guys <laughs> new conspiracy theory dropped santa's a djinn sorry <laughs> So the mountain is supposedly made out of green emerald peridot or chrysolite, which the reflection of these emeralds being, a, you know, a giant mountain of them, the reflection gives the sky a green tint around the mountain. Ooh, I like green. And according to Arabic literature, Kaf was the largest mountain of mountain ranges that was created by Allah to support the earth and the, and the ancestor of all earthly mountain ranges. And... They're connected by additional underground mountain ranges. So it's like the Grandfather Mountain. What's an underground mountain range? That is a good question that I could not find an answer to, but for everything that I've seen about that being the ancestor of Earth Mountains, it said it's connected by additional underground ranges. Hmm. 
I wonder if it's like giant caverns with mountains inside them. Like I'm thinking Minecraft. Maybe. Like the the, the when they did the caves update. Earth got a caves update. Yes. Yeah, I don't exactly understand that one, but that's just mm -hmm. what I saw is supposedly through underground channels, they're all connected in some way. Makes sense. But Kof is the biggest of the mountains out of these mountain ranges, and it's it's uh, it symbolizes the cosmic mountain where the natural and supernatural kind of meet. It's like where the veil is, I guess. Ooh, I bet there's spooky stuff happening there all the time. Yeah, from what I gathered, yeah, it's, there's a lot of spooky stuff, seeing how all the djinn live there. Oh, they all live there? I thought that's just where they came from. I think some of them live there. So they never moved out of their mom's basement? Yeah, basically, yeah. Uh, we are the djinn's basement. <laughs> but later in the 13th century, uh, there was a book whose, it's a very long name. The name translates to, because I'm not going to try to pronounce it in Arabic, because I, I can barely speak English. We know. But the name translates to Marvels of Things Created and Miraculous Aspects of Things Existing. That's pretty, though. It's long. Mm -hmm. It's probably going to, you know, get cut off in a lot of things, but it's really pretty. Yeah, probably. But this book was published and it became an influential text in early modern Islamic society. And according to the book, the sky is held up by God so that it doesn't crush the earth. And at first, the earth was considered flat, but later believed to be round. The earth was surrounded by a large, these large mountain ranges that acted as pegs that held the earth in place. Oh, that makes sense. And then here's where it gets a little, little strange. The earth is then supported by an angel who sits on, or who stands on a gemstone slab that rests on the back of a cosmic bull known as Kuyata who is also standing on the back of a great leviathan named Bahamut, who is supposedly in a bowl or suspended in a bowl of water that rests on the back of either an angel or a djinn. So we got like a whole Jenga tower going on here. Yeah, I was going to say they got really good balance. And with the bull standing on this fish that is su suspended in this large bowl of water, uh, that's where it's believed that earthquakes come from. The shifting of the fish causes the earth to shake and, and, and move. And from what I read, the this this fish is so large that if a human were to see it, it would quite literally drive them insane because they couldn't comprehend how massive this fish is. Oh, okay. I was going to ask what kind of fish, but I guess if people can't see it, we wouldn't know. Yeah, from what I gather, it's it's like a whale. Oh, okay. It's just like a sea beast or leviathan, so like, most likely a giant whale. Uh, whales aren't fish, are they? I thought they were mammals. Yeah, no, no, whales are mammals, yeah. Yeah. Well, there were many different translations for this thing. There was Leviathan, a sea beast, a whale. Mm -hmm. So. Well, I've heard stories that Bahamut was a giant turtle. Now, again, these are just random stories, not knowing, yeah. you know, what all it is. But, I mean, if it's a sea turtle, that would be a sea beast as well. Yeah, it could, it could be a turtle. The The images, like, from these books and stuff that I've seen shows it as just, like, a big fish. Right, right. It doesn't really look like... Well, and I feel like that's probably a little more accurate to the legend, because it was back in the, what, 13th century, you said? Yeah. Uh, whereas, you know, stories, they change and they grow and they evolve. So it might have started as a fish, and then somebody was like, no, it's a turtle. Well, I think most of the time when they're talking about, like, giant sea creatures, they just call it a leviathan or a sea beast, because... There's not really a name for this giant fish, so... Mm-hmm, yeah. But both things that I saw said that at the bottom, it's it's either an angel or a djinn. It didn't specify 
specifically if it's one or the other. It's just could be one, it could be the other. Mm-hmm. But unlike your usual demons that you see in movies and what's commonly told in stories, jinn are similar to humans. They have their own religions, their religious beliefs. They eat, sleep, procreate, and they can even die. Oh, wow. But unlike humans, they are usually invisible, but they can take a solid form of a thin and subtle body. And some can even shapeshift. That's not scary at all. No, not at all. Yeah. I do know they... Um, have you ever watched Supernatural? I can't remember. I don't think you have. It is on my list. I have not got around to it yet. Yeah. They have an episode about the djinn. And um, I think some of these... Because they... I, I have noticed, um, going back and like researching some of the different things that were in that show, that they actually did quite a bit of research uh, in the lore and the stories mm. and stuff like that. So um, some of this stuff is in that episode. Now, of course, it's TV, so they go crazy, but... Yeah. Um, Bobo and I actually watched not too long ago the movie... Uh... I think it's 3,000 Years of Longing. I have not seen that. It's a really good one. It's based off of the djinn. It's, it tells the story. It's I won't spoil anything, but the lady finds a bottle. It has a djinn in it, and then she goes through asking him basically his whole life story of how he came to be trapped in the bottle, his other masters and stuff. And then according to my research and looking at, back at the movie, it seems pretty accurate too. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I'll have to check that out. So djinn are also easy to anger it if if someone were to injure them or upset them they most of the time they will they will try to get revenge in some way that's that's scary because i feel like jinns are probably real creative in how they get revenge so because of them being vengeful if someone were to find a snake in their home or any of these creatures that a jinn could take the form of and if it is, um, they will need to call out to it for three days before they attempt to kill it or remove it in case it is a djinn. They don't want to anger it. If you call out to it for three days, it'll leave if it's a djinn. But if not, then it's just it's just whatever creature it is, a snake or whatever. Hypothetical. I have cats. Mm-hmm. So if a critter comes into the house uninvited... The cats aren't going to ask it to leave. They're just going to kill it. Yeah. Does that mean this djinn will then hurt my cats? They probably just won't be very happy because uh, we'll get to that a little bit later. But djinn can actually shapeshift into cats sometimes. So then they would probably like quick change into a cat and hiss or something. Yeah, okay. they probably. I just don't want anything happening to my babies because they didn't know the yeah, no, they... the rules. I don't think that they take revenge on like animals and stuff. I think it's more of like humans who intentionally try to hurt them or mess with them. Okay. Okay. That makes me feel better. But if it's like an accident and you were to like apologize or something like that, they probably would be okay from what I gathered. It's like they're at they, the gen have the mindset of if you leave me alone, I'll leave you alone. Gotcha. Gotcha. At least most of them. Cause there are good gen. There's, there's good and bad. So some of them just like to mess with people just to mess with people. So, like you? Yeah, pretty much. I'll touch on that in a moment. We'll come back to that comment. Oh, no. So even though sometimes they seem polite and leaving if you ask, they are unreliable and deceitful. Muhammad warned people that they should cover their utensils, close doors, put out any open flame or candle, and keep their children close at night because the djinn will come out and they're known to take things and drag candle wicks away that could start a fire. Ah! They, 
They like messing with stuff at night. I don't like that. But you're safe if you lock your doors because they will not open locked doors. They won't untie knots or uncover any vessel. Oh, good. Yeah, we lock our doors all the time. Okay. Oh, then they can't get in unless they they shapeshift and somehow find some opening or something. I feel like that's a little rude, though. It's like, oh, the door's locked. I'm going to sneak in some other way. Yeah, much like Krakow. So, like, like other spirits, if witchcraft is used, a djinn can be commanded to guard graves and tombs. This is why in Egyptian belief, it's bad luck to open the tomb of a pharaoh, because if there's a djinn guarding it, they're going to harm those that open it. Makes sense. I mean, um, have you ever heard of, like, the... Was it King Tut that was cursed? Yeah, I think so. The the tomb that was cursed, and, like, basically everybody who worked on that dig died very weirdly and not long after? Yeah, it was probably the djinn. Note to self, don't go into Egyptian tombs. Yeah. And as with all legends and myths and things, there are conflicting stories on facts of things. So, supposedly there are three types of djinn. Those that can fly and shapeshift, these can appear in, appear in various physical forms. There's those that live in a fixed location and can't travel outside of that area, like an abandoned house or an abandoned building or something like that. They, If they live there, they typically won't leave that area. And then we have the shapeshifters that I said we would come back to that comment in a moment. They can appear as snakes, scorpions, lizards, creeping animals like turtles, frogs, and toads. Specifically black dogs, cats, or even humans. So you're a creeping animal? Yeah, it, it, I had to look up what a creeping animal was because that's how one of my sources described it. And what I saw was turtles, frogs, toads. Apparently those are creeping animals. I mean, yeah, I can see it. Their little legs. And you were mentioning about the cats earlier. Mm -hmm. Like I said, with the snake, about chasing the snake off and calling out to it. It's a bad idea to chase away a cat early in the morning, because if it's a djinn, they will be angry that you scared them off. Oh, poor little djinn. He was just scared, and he didn't like it. But, you know, if you've ever left out food for the stray cats in the neighborhood, you're probably really good friends with the djinn, because you might be feeding them. I have. We have a little house on our front porch. Like, it, it's like a little house. It has shingles and, st and a little stairs to go up on a balcony. And then there's, like, a little warm compartment with, like, a like one of those sheet doors. Uh, you know, like the plastic sheeting yeah. cat pet doors. Um, so that they can go in there and stay warm in the winter. And we put straw on it. Just put a little sign out front that says cat hotel. And then in, like, small text under and also gin. <laughs> so it's... It's unknown how long that a djinn can live. It's obviously much longer than humans. And as I said, they can die. There are males, females. They can have children. They eat, sleep. They even have pets. Uh, what kind of a... I was going to say, I don't know what kind of pets they would have. I couldn't really find a, a source on that one. But I'm guessing cats, dogs... Yeah, I was like, do they have like little, like little gin dogs or do they have like, you know, Cerberus, you know, like. <laughs> I mean, it, it could be mythical creatures as well as just a normal cat or a dog or something. I'm guessing it's whatever animal they want as a pet. Nice. They're uh, so for what they eat. However, I did find a little bit about that. They eat meat, bones, animal droppings. 
But they can eat human food if they want to. They, they, they take the energy from the human food. This is why it's often a good idea to say the name Allah before eating, because that kind of blesses your food and will keep the jinn from stealing your food. Yeah, we don't like stolen food. No. Very different than free food, though. Food always tastes better when it's free, mm-hmm. but stealing is bad. So you have to have someone give you free food. And the free food is just like it's like it got an extra seasoning on it or something. Oh, look, I didn't have to pay for it. It's delicious. This would be awful if I had to pay for it. <laughs> so the djinn's home can be wherever they decide that they want to live. So this, they prefer deserts, ruins, and unclean places such as graveyards, garbage dumps, bathrooms, camel pastures, hashish dens, and even other people's homes. So if, if they decide they like your house and they want to stay, well, then they're probably going to stay. Does that mean they like hoarders if they like unclean places? You know, that would make sense. Yeah, probably. I just, I thought the bathrooms part was funny because like, just imagine going into like a 7-Eleven bathroom and there's just a, a, a spirit <laughs> in the corner and it's just like, excuse me, do you mind? It's like, D- did you knock? This is my home. <laughs> wow, rude. You didn't just ask before you just come in. <laughs> With the, the key attached to a hubcap? <laughs> yeah, basically. And in case anyone's wondering what a hashish den is, because I honestly I had to look this up. It's it's basically like oh you had to look that yeah, up. Yeah, I was like, wait, what is that? Because reading the word den, I was thinking of some kind of animal. No, it's a drug den. Yeah, they also enjoy sitting in places between the shade and the sunlight. And once nightfall comes, they'll they can move freely and kind of go wherever they want. They also like to to window shop too. They like to visit markets. I just imagine them like dressed like a hipster going to an outdoor market with like you know uh like a little basket mm-hmm. you know like a woven basket for all the stuff that they're gonna get i mean they can shapeshift into humans and animals and stuff so i mean like you wouldn't even notice them yeah and it's because of them liking to visit marketplaces that muslims are cautioned to not be the first to enter the, a market or be the last to leave it I'm not exactly sure what will happen if if you do. I again, that's another one of those things that I looked and couldn't quite figure that out. But um, I guess the gen don't like it. Someone has to be the first, and someone has to be the last, unless it's open 24 hours a day. And unless it's they, they're just like we we wait till later in the day to go. We let the tourists go in first. <laughs> if somebody's gonna die, make sure it's a tourist. I mean, it could be everyone's just got a set time that it's like we all go to the market at this time because by that time the tourists are awake and they're they're going there it's so horrible but so funny and this part was interesting it's also possible for a djinn to fall in love with a human oh and it's also possible for a djinn to marry a human even though there's no evidence of this happening it apparently it's it's possible the uh, the only evidence of that is uh, supposedly there is a clan in the United Arab Emirates that claims to have descended from a female jinn. I'm wondering. Okay, so a couple things. First of all, it's like elves in Lord of the Rings. So Aragon, he's human, marries an elf, mm-hmm. yada yada. She lives way longer than him. That's what would happen with the jinn. Um, now, does that obviously the way? genetics and dna work i don't know if you remember your punnett squares but your like every offspring their dna uh is basically like this is where people like you know pure breed and yada 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 but like so the 
their kids would be half jinn, half human, but by now it would be so far removed. Do they have any, like, powers or anything? Or are they just like, yeah, my great, 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 great grandmammy, she was jinn. They, it didn't say specifically, but, like, they may have trace powers or something or like heightened senses or something from that because from what i saw is if the mother is human the children will appear as human but if the mother is a djinn they will have more traits of the djinn such as being invisible so it's it's stronger if it's a female djinn so you know how hard it is to find a toddler that's getting in trouble imagine if they could be invisible your toddler just goes invisible and suddenly all the vases in your house start falling off the tables Oh my god, now I'm just imagining you being invisible and the chaos. Yeah, the world isn't ready for that. But the only thing, because I tried looking up this clan to see if I could find anything on it, but the only thing I could find even close to that was a uh, an abandoned village uh, near Dubai called Al-Madam. And uh, it's supposedly abandoned because it's it's haunted and the people in the village were chased away by a djinn. Oh, it looks really cool because the village, like all the windows and stuff are broken and everything. So like the sand has just flowed into the houses. So a lot of them are just full of sand and sticking out of the sand dunes and stuff. It looks really creepy, but cool at the same time. Like it looks like a really cool movie set, probably. Yeah, pretty much. But not a place that I would want to live. Yeah, no, definitely not a place I'd want to spend the night either. Okay, if you're not, if you're scared to spend the night there, imagine me. Yeah, that's just not... Okay, I'm I'm okay with this. Let's just not. Mm-hmm. That's our mm-hmm. that's our new catchphrase. Let's just not Kraken. The squonk and the hag. Let's just not. So, a question you you may be wondering that, you know, maybe you you haven't thought of it yet. But what if what if a djinn falls in love with a human who is currently in a relationship? Oh. The djinn will often interfere with this relationship and try to split them up. Okay, so they, like, try to, like, break them up. They don't just, like, murder the other person, right? No, they just they just cause a lot of problems and just make it so the two feel like they're not compatible or things just aren't working out or whatever. They're, they do whatever they can to, like, split the two. That way they can they can marry the, the one that they're after, but... Okay, so it's bad, but it's not as bad as I thought originally. Yeah, okay. no. They will just interfere in some way and just things just won't be going right. So I told I said earlier that if someone injures a djinn that they will want to get revenge. Mm-hmm. One way they often do that is they possess whoever injured them. Oh. But the djinn can it's from what I saw the djinn can only possess someone who's in a state of quote spiritual weakness. This would be summarized as like feeling insecure, depressed, mental instability, general unhappiness and those that live alone. They're more vulnerable to possession by a djinn. So that's kind of sad because there are some people who are like super happy and confident and loving their life because they're alone. <laughs> like, And then the djinn shows up and they're like, what if you weren't though? So sad. I don't know if like they have all but, you know, they just live alone, but like they're fine. Like there's no problems in their life or anything. I don't know if that like lessens the chances. And if you just have one, if it's like oh, okay. bingo, you got to have multiple of these things or yeah yeah i just i feel like this just that one just stuck out so weird because like i can understand all the others you know grouped together yeah and there's just living alone i mean i guess that way you've got like there's no witnesses true true so the the djinn can come beat the crap out of you and then be like haha you're weak i'm possessing you basically that's how it works right (laughs) yes they they say exactly that just i'm just now picturing just this giant demon creature 
coming out of the closet and just going, oh, ho, ho, what's this? A one-bedroom apartment? Well, guess whose house it is now? There's only one bed. Doesn't matter. We can share. Do you like to cuddle? Somehow that's worse. Somehow their hands are cold and clammy and sticky all at once. And then you're like the little spoon and they're like got these weird hands touching you. I'm moving on because <laughs> I actually uh, toward the end here, we'll we'll get into a couple of stories and I'll give descriptions of what some of them look like. So then you can just imagine this now that you've put the whole cuddling thing on the table. You're welcome. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. So if a djinn possesses someone, they don't, they're, they're not just going to be controlling them like a puppet. They, they mostly affect the mind and the body. They have no control over the heart or the soul. They'll just cause changes in mood and behavior, nausea after eating, headaches, aggressiveness, heavy shoulders, thoughts of suicide, and even changes in the voice. A, a man's voice may sound more feminine and a female's voice may sound more manly. Again, it's weird. It's like, we're going to screw with your mood. We're going to make you feel sick. We're going to, you know, make you contemplate taking your own life. And we're going to change your voice. It would be the equivalent of you walking up to Chris and going, Hey, what do you want for dinner? No, I wouldn't ask him that. He's in charge of dinner. Fair enough. But it's like if you were permanently doing your Chris impression. Hey! What's up, dude? Exactly. So, Kraken. Okay. Let's get on with the episode. <laughs> this is fair. I've had a hell of a week. Yeah. I'm pretty sure my brain has shut off. My brain shut off, like, hours ago. Yeah, mine's just oh. thermal paste at this point. But unlike demon possession that's that you commonly hear about in, like, movies and stories and stuff like that, Sometimes you can just ask it to leave, and it will. Oh, that's polite. But if, if that doesn't work, then obviously you need an exorcism at that point. Well, of course. I mean, just go down to the corner market and get an exorcism. Excuse me, my throat is very raspy. Could you prescribe me an exorcism? It's like, can I get this exorcism to go? Mm-hmm. I wonder what the exorcism equivalent of a, a to-go cup is. That's a good question. Like, does it have a bendy straw? You just go through the drive-thru and they just sprinkle some holy water on you and you're good to go. <laughs> oh my god, now I just imagine a drive-thru exorcism business. I mean, technically it could work, maybe? I see nothing wrong with this, it'll be fine. Well, I feel like it's a problem when your head starts spinning around and you vomit pea soup inside your car. Mm, yeah, we'll need to coat the car in plastic wrap before we do that then. Well, I mean, it's the person's car, so if they don't want to, you know, scotch guard it, it's not our problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's fine. We just do the exorcism. We don't worry about the cleanup. Yeah. That's it. That costs extra. So the first encounter story that I have here is actually from a book called Psychic Warrior. Uh, it's re is written by David Morehouse. He served in the U.S. military as a clairvoyant. Wait, that's a military position? Apparently so. They uh, This goes into another topic that we wanted to do a story on at some point, but it was... Um, remote viewing where supposedly they could telepathically see places that they haven't been to. Ooh. It falls in with the astral projection thing that like there's a way you can you can supposedly train people to just think of a certain keyword or a number and they can just meditate and focus and they can picture that and that's how the military was supposedly trying to use that to spy on uh, conversations for the enemy. So that's crazy, because, like, even in D&D, &D, you have to have been to the place before. 
Yeah, supposedly this was, and there was actually a story that falls in that. I don't remember the details, but if we do a story on that, I'll have more of that. But supposedly they were, whenever they were testing this, um, one of the people that were one of the remote viewers literally was able to map out a secret military base that they weren't supposed to know about and it angered a bunch of generals because they were like you all need to stop what you're doing because they're seeing things that they shouldn't be allowed to see and i don't know how they did it oh snap that's crazy they they were able to give them like exact coordinates for where this base is and describe what it looked like and they were and the generals were just like they're not supposed to know about this we need to stop what we're doing whoops but this story, this clairvoyant David Morehouse, uh, in the book, he tells a bit about how he experienced visions of a djinn after he had a head injury. Morehouse and several other American soldiers were camped with Jordanian soldiers for a joint exercise in Jordan at a place called Baton el Ghul. It translates to Belly of the Beast. It's an empty, jagged valley in the desert near Saudi Arabia. That's a pretty cool name, though. Like, I feel like uh, either Baton El Ghul or Belly of the Beast would be like a cool metal band. It would. I need to, I need to make, we need to make this happen. Squonkin' the Hag has a new band. Yeah. Have you seen Baton El Ghul? They're playing Friday night. We should go check it out. That sounds like the best show ever. They're like a crossover of Ghost and Guar. I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> I was about to say Guar, but then you combined Ghost with it, and I was like, wait, yes. You're welcome. So this next part is going to raise several questions. Okay. Of which I have zero answers. So it's pretty much on par for you. Yeah. So the head injury that Morehouse got was because he had been accidentally shot in the helmet. By another person or himself? Good question. Like, I feel like if you're a clairvoyant in the army, you don't have high proficiency in firearms. I thought you were about to say, did he not see that coming? But yes, that too. So after this injury, he, he was left with a large lump on his head. As, as what happens after, you know, you get shot in the helmet, I assume. Hey, it's better than getting shot without the helmet. Yeah. Because then there's, you know, a hole instead of a lump. Yeah, mm -hmm. and a lot of darkness. But after this injury is when he saw the djinn, he said, Sometime in the night, my eyes opened to a surreal light outside the tent. It was like the light of an eclipsed sun and wasn't coming from any stove. It filled the night sky. The entire Baton El Ghul and the hills beyond were bathed in a strange bluish-gray light. I walked to the edge of the bluff and stared into the valley, and dark figures moved effortlessly across the floor like apparitions. They poured out from the rocks in various heaps and shapes and moved about the clusters of tents. I could hear muffled cries from the Jordanian encampment, and momentarily I thought we were being overrun by thieves or Israelis. Panicked, I tried to run for help, colliding with one of the figures. I reflexively closed my eyes, except I didn't collide. I walked right through it. Turning around, I watched the figure disappear over the edge of the bluff, and after that, the lump on my head disappeared. Wait, is he saying that the lump on his head was a djinn? Either that or the djinn cured it when he walked through him. Oh, okay. That makes way more sense. <laughs> I'm like, wait a second. He got shot in the head and it injected a djinn in a lump on his head that then escaped. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. Like I said, hell of a week. Now, <laughs> now I'm just picturing that lump with a little face. And every time he takes his helmet off, it just sings the I'm a tumor, I'm a tumor, I'm a tumor. <laughs> that's, that's an image. Yep. 
I feel like that's an image of you. Well, I mean, they can shape shift into frogs, and supposedly I am 75 of them in a trench coat, so... So imagine a chorus of 75 frogs singing, I'm a tumor, I'm a tumor, I'm a tumor, I'm a tumor. And then there's just, you know, the, um, the instrumental of just the occasional ribbit or croaking. Nope. I'm good. I'm real good. I'm, 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 I'm good. I'm out. I'm out. Bye. Imagine going into like an abandoned building and you just hear a frog croaking somewhere in the building. Well, I mean, that's not that weird. I mean, if you believe in gin, it's kind of horrifying. Yeah, but like, you know, an abandoned building is going to have critters. True. Now, if you walked into like a not abandoned building and there's just like a random frog sitting in the middle of the room staring at you croaking. You're probably in my house. <laughs> Singing, I'm a tumor, I'm a tumor, I'm a tumor. That would, that would mess me up. Mm-hmm. Moving on. (laughs) So in Jewish and Islamic belief, as well as in Western occultism, uh, have you ever heard of the Lesser Key of Solomon? It's a a book. Actually, when I told Chris that you were covering Jinn, he's like, I hope he talks about the Key of Solomon. I was like, okay. But do you know what it is other than that? No. No. Supposedly, it's a handbook on how to trap demons. It's got different sigils and stuff in it that supposedly will trap them and and give you control over them. I feel like that might have been a thing on Supernatural, but there were 15 seasons and I watched all of them and they all kind of just blur together. That's fair. But that came from this story is supposedly King Solomon had a magical signet ring it's often shown in the shape of a pentagram or a hexagram, and according to religious text, this ring gave Solomon the power to control spirits and gave him the ability to speak with animals. Hmm. I would like half of that. Just the animals part? Yeah, Wedge doesn't understand that when I leave to go to the grocery store, I'm coming right back. Like, I want to just be able... But do you want to know what... Do you want to know what Mara is thinking, though? I mean, she already screams at me constantly, so it might as well at least be coherent. Fair enough. And actually, it would be really nice because she'll sit here and scream and it's like, okay, do you want your bed? No. Do you want the laser? Okay. Do you want to, do you want to eat? Do you want to cuddle? Do you want to be pet? Do you want to be brushed? So at least she could just scream once that I know what she wanted. But see, what if you find out that she's in, like, the screaming is just her cursing at you? I mean, it's highly possible. She doesn't want anything. She's just screaming at you. But no, I would like to be able to explain to them that, okay, I'm just going to the grocery store. Or, okay, I'm going to be gone a couple days, but I'm coming back. Or, Mara, you got to take your medicine because the vet said so. Why do I have a feeling that if you could tell them that, they would literally most likely respond with, okay, are you back now? Are you back? Like, before you even leave, like, as you're packing, they'll just follow you from room to room and go, are you home yet? Biggs, I love him to death. I love that cat so much. He is so sweet and cuddly, and he's just a good little buddy. But he, you look in his eyes, and there's nothing there. When he's a 10, but his brain is made of shrimp. (laughs) Yeah, but that's that's what he would do. It's like, oh, okay, you you went away. You're back now, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, I'm I'm going away tomorrow. Okay, so we're we're good. You're home now, right? Mm-hmm. I feel like Wedge might do that, too, because, you know, he's orange. Mm. It all depends on if he has the brain cell that day. Fair enough. So, this magical ring. Yes. Supposedly, the the pentagram hexagon, or hexagon? No, that's not, that's not the word I'm looking for. Hexagram. Yeah, hexagon 
is like um, almost like a D&D dice. Hexagram is like a star. Mm-hmm. So uh, a pentagram is a five-pointed star and a hexagram is a six-pointed star. A septagram is a seven-pointed star. Well, you see, it's, it, my brain did the thing where it tried to say one word, but it said another word. A likely story. Anyway, supposedly this, this seal is what is the predecessor to what's now the Star of David. Which, if it was a, a six-pointed star, makes sense. Mm-hmm. And according to medieval Middle Eastern writers, the ring was engraved by God and was given to Solomon directly from heaven. The ring was said to be made of brass and iron, and these two parts were used to seal written commands to spirits. Hmm. And there's a bunch of different stories on Solomon and his seal, and one story claims that a djinn was jealous of Solomon and stole his ring while he bathed in the Jordan River, and for a brief time he ruled over Solomon's kingdom before God commanded the djinn to toss the ring into the sea, where it was swallowed up by a fish that found its way back to Solomon in the form of his dinner. So, that's interesting. There was this miniseries, like I would, I want to say in the 90s, called The Tenth Kingdom. Did you ever see that? It sounds familiar, but I don't think I did. So, there is a thing in that where somebody throws a ring into, I think, the ocean or something like that, and then the person that they were originally going to give it to eventually gets like they have fish for dinner cuts it open and the ring is there interesting so i wonder if that was i have a feeling it was probably inspired by this story so it's all about like fairy tales and stuff like that fairy tales folklore Mm -hmm. legends and basically the concept is that um there are 10 kingdoms our reality is the 10th kingdom so you know just modern life and then the other nine kingdoms are run by different fairy tales so like there's uh cinderella is the queen of one snow white is in charge of another um all that kind of stuff and Mm. you know it it covers like tons of fairy tales out there jack and the beanstalk and um little red riding hood i'll have to look into this it's so cute i have it on dvd i don't know if you can stream it anywhere i've never looked is it like live action or animated live action i'll have to look into this it sounds interesting I love it so much. Actually, you, they, um, I think it's, are they trolls or something like that? There's these three siblings and they remind me of you so much. Because they're trolls? No, because they're so derpy. I love it so much. They get a boom box and they're obsessed Fair with enough. it. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like me. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, carry on. The other story that I have comes from the Quran. It tells a tale of how Solomon would make slaves of the jinn by branding their necks with his seal, and he would put them to work either building palaces, making carpets, ponds, statues, and gardens. And it said that Solomon would also... That's not very nice. And they also served as like a taxi for Solomon. Whenever he needed to travel somewhere far away, he would just ride on the back of a gin. When I heard the whole speak to animals thing, I was like, okay, Solomon must be a cool dude. Solomon is not a cool dude. Yeah. If, if he's, uh, you know, kidnapping the gin and all that stuff, you know, but like there's, there's all kinds of stories. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. If he's enslaving, if he's enslaving anything, he's not a cool dude. Now, if that's made up. That sent me down a whole other rabbit hole. I was just like, wait a minute. If, if the jinn were enslaved to build palaces and stuff, like, maybe aliens didn't build the pyramids. Maybe it was the jinn. 
I mean, it could go either way. I, I've been um, binging SG-1 again, mm-hmm. and aliens completely built those pyramids. So basically, have you ever seen it, uh, Stargate SG-1? Bits and pieces when it was on, uh, I was seeing it on TV, but not fully. Okay, it, it's available for stream on Amazon Prime if you want. Anyway, um, so in that one, the ancient Egyptians were enslaved by these aliens who posed as the gods. So, like, there was Ra, there was um, Mm -hmm. pretty much all the Egyptian gods and stuff like that. And um, the pyramids are actually docking stations for their ships. Interesting. I love that show so much. So I wonder if uh, we took that uh, pyramid cap out of the museum, the only one that's left, and we put it back on the pyramid that it came from if something would happen. Let's find out. I mean, it's been a it's been a hot minute though, so maybe they like just moved on. Cause like, have you ever like lost something, and then like a couple years later it turns up and you're like, oh, that thing, and you throw it away. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Many times. They probably like moved on to a way cooler world. We're we're over here obsessed with the pyramids and like we we've got museums on on the pyramids and you know they're, they're a big tourist attraction and all this stuff and then like the aliens are just like why are they making a big deal about our old airports yeah it's like that was like 10,000 years ago we have improved so much you should see our new ones wait till you see the what do you see the new models now they got LEDs on them guys <laughs> mm-hmm they got those uh, RGB lights like, you can tell the cool ones, the cool alien, because his pyramid strobes. <laughs> yeah, it's just got, like, a hologram projected on the side of it. Hooked some Arduinos up to that. Mm-hmm. See, we have to not only offend humans, we also have to make sure that if extraterrestrials listen to this, that they also know that we're the worst. We make sure we don't leave anyone out on the list of people we offend. <laughs> yes. No one is exempt. <laughs> no one is safe from our insanity. We start up an episode and for some reason we're just roasting fish. <laughs> okay, wait, wait. Are we like cooking fish or are we making fun of fish? Or are we making fun of fish while we cook fish? Yes. Okay. The next stories that I have are ones that may or may not be true. They're just anonymous stories that I found that were reposted on Instagram. They're the two links at the top of the sources in the uh, in the note. Mm-hmm. So this first one says, I worked in Palestine for a time helping victims of war and have a quite a few paranormal tales. But this is the more lengthy one. It says, I was staying with a Palestinian family and helping their daughter who was suffering from pneumonia and had her lungs messed up by inhaling smoke and dust after a bombing and she wasn't going to live much longer and the whole family knew it. It was depressing to watch, but late one night I was sitting with her making sure her breathing was stable, and I heard a rustling and a whispering just from outside the window on the other side of her room. Mm. I get up to go investigate, and the whispering immediately tipped me off that it was not a stray cat or a dog, and as I peeked through the window to see who or what it was there, I didn't see anything. Immediately, I felt like I was aware of some kind of presence, like the feeling of standing in a room with someone but not looking at them. I, sure, sure. This is already going well. You and I have a very different definition of well, but okay. I heard the whisper again. Rather clearly, it was the name of the little girl. It sounded like it was coming from all directions, and I was looking back and forth, absolutely befuddled by where it could be coming from. And then a sinking realization hit me. 
The mom of the family had talked about experiencing something similar and always said it was the jinn or genies. And I overheard her multiple times reciting a prayer from the Quran out loud because she thought she had heard the jinn. I couldn't remember what the prayers were in the moment, and I called out asking who was there, hoping that maybe it was just a neighbor. Don't know why they would be in the house with you, but... I mean, weirder things have happened. I heard a whisper from behind me, and immediately I shot around before I could even register what was being said, and saw a dark cloud in the corner of the room quickly dissipate. Yeah, that's not good. I was firmly freaked out, and I sat down with the little girl again to make sure that at least she was safe, and then it chose to appear to me. You ready for the description? Maybe. Sounds cuddly. It crawled out from the shadows on all fours, all black with matted, shaggy fur that was really more like overgrown body hair, and tusks sticking out from the side of its mouth. I mean, furry, so that would be nice to cuddle with. But if it's not fur, if it's more like just really long body hair. Really long hair is soft. Fair enough. But it was matted, though. I mean, so are dreadlocks, and if you keep them clean, they're not bad. Fair enough. They, they just they just need some good shampoo. I was absolutely petrified, and it called my name in a hushed groan over and over until I nodded reluctantly, barely being able to move my head, and it offered me a deal. I give one of my legs, and the girl makes a perfect recovery. I don't, and the girl will die the next morning. Okay, I want to know the conversion chart of worth of body part to human life because apparently one leg equals a little girl's life it's either worth or that's just what they want at the time they want either this thing or that thing okay fair i didn't know if they had like a little like they maybe had like a little laminated chart in their pocket that they they're like okay sick little girl i need a leg and a coffee you're, you're, everyone is lucky that I'm not very good at, like, making animations, because now I need gin pawn stars. You, you walk in with, we'll use this example, a little girl, and they're like, best I can do is a leg. So, my, I, I don't know why I've been writing down notes as we, well, the one thing is, uh, a, uh, merch idea. The squonk of the hag, let's just not. But then I'm looking at my notes and I have drive through exorcism business and gin pawn stars. <laughs> yeah, that's about right. You know, that should be a thing, like, unless it's things that we, we don't want to have made public yet. We should just before the episode releases, just release your notes out of context. I mean, I do that on the podcast Nexus sometimes. Like, as I'm editing, I'll usually be like... Fair enough, yeah. Hey, guys, guess what happens this week? Escalator triangles. Escalator triangles. So after this thing makes its offer, he says, I was praying internally that this was a dream or some kind of late-night hallucination. I felt my mouth moving, and I heard myself agree, even though I was absolutely not in control of my own body. The djinn chuckled to itself and stood up, towering over me and his head almost reaching the ceiling. He grinned a crooked grin at me before falling backwards and vanishing into that same dark cloud. I felt the control over my body return as I scrambled to grab the trash can in the room to throw up. The little girl in the bed was awoken by me scrambling for the trash can and was dazed and confused, asking me if I was alright and what was going on. I wiped my mouth clean and told her it was nothing, just dozed off and had a nightmare. 
I've never had a nightmare that that severe, but in the following week, the girl made a miraculous recovery and even the doctors at the hospital were stunned. Her lungs were absolutely perfect, even if they had been failing just a few days before. I still felt that sinking, creeping dread in me about how I promised my leg to the gin for her survival. And it wouldn't be until many years later that it would catch up to me. Around the time it did, I was living in Riyadh, Saudi Arabia. The exact events of how I lost my leg are, are kind of blurred, especially to me and even the doctors who saved my life didn't know what had happened. Long story short is I had gotten into a freak automobile accident and my right leg being the only thing hit, but the bones were snapped so violently that there was no way for them to save the leg or repair it, let alone for it to heal naturally. So he opted to have it amputated and took a small loan for a prosthetic leg. Oh, wow. Yeah, so their deals are a li little different. That's that's crazy. This one is just like, you don't know when I'm going to come to collect my end of the deal, but don't worry, I will. Yeah, because like usually when you make a deal, it happens pretty, pretty soon after, not years. And somehow to me, that's kind of even more horrifying as you don't know when or how it's going to happen. Yeah, because you can't prepare. Yeah, no, it's just like, well, we had a good run leg. I don't know when you're going to go away, but. <laughs> so <laughs> we had a good run leg because your legs, you run. Okay, I walked right into that one. I was like, should I, should I say it or not? Should I say it or not? I thought about it after I said it. Well, I'm adding that to my notes. You had a good run leg. Walked right into that one. <laughs> With your legs. Exactly. <clears throat> I need to sleep so bad. Same. I really hope I can sleep tonight. So this next one comes from Egypt. This is from, I'm assuming, a different person here. So, I was living in Egypt to learn more about Arabic culture. I had just got home from a late night walk, and I, I live in an apartment complex. The family that lives right next to me calls me in for something. The guy at the door, who I think was the dad, wanted to show me something. I was a little freaked out by this, and I asked if it was okay if I just watched from the door. He says it is, and I stand in the doorframe watching whatever it is that's going on inside. And there's this small Barbie doll thing, or maybe a Barbie knockoff, standing on top of the coffee table, dancing. Okay. The dad's kids are huddled in a corner in the room, absolutely terrified, visibly shaking, and so scared they're not even making any sounds. Dad is just nonchalant about it, grabs a copy of the Quran from a bookshelf and starts shouting at the doll, and it gets flung at him. He slaps the doll out of the air, and it completely breaks into pieces and scatters on the floor. I'm just standing there in disbelief at what has unfolded before me, and then the father shouts a few prayers at the doll before throwing the pieces out the window. Okay. So we've gone into, uh, like, Chucky land. All right. Yeah, because from what I gathered, um, Muslims with the jinn are, appear to be built different, so to speak, and that most people are afraid when you say their house is haunted by a demon, whereas they're just like, we'll, we'll shout a few prayers at it and, you know, just shoo it away like we're shooing a cat out of, out of, you know, the shed. Well, a lot of times a demon, if you ask it to leave, it won't. Whereas a djinn, you ask it to leave, it will. It's just kind of funny to picture, you know, massive demon that's a lot taller than you and you're just like, no, nope, gone, get. <laughs> just like take a broom and like push it out the door. George, I told you about this not in the house. <laughs> you sleep outside. So our final story is uh, kind of in the same sense of just simply shooing it away. 
This one again comes out of Palestine. I was riding with a few guys who were ex-Hamas, just hanging out and listening to some of their stories. Um, it was getting late. We were pretty far from the urban areas. We were kind of on the outskirts of town. We decided it was time to head back, but as night approached a lot faster than we expected, at about nine o'clock, it was pitch blackout. That's real early. Yeah. While we were all riding in the back of this old pickup truck that one of the guys had, who I'll just call friend one, broke down. He, uh, there were curses and groans that were shared around the whole truck, so we all gathered around to try and fix it. Thankfully, a few of us brought flashlights, and of course, friend one had some tools on hand while he was fixing up whatever was wrong with the truck. As he was working, a loud hyena-like cackle rang out across the hills. Wait, now it sounds like a hyena? I suppose so. I don't like that. We weren't too shocked by this because striped hyenas are native to the West Bank. But something about the cackle sounded a little too loud for a hyena. I told friend one about it and he shrugged and very casually remarked, Could be a ghoul. Oh, you know, that's all. Yeah. Just could be a ghoul. The way that he was just not bothered by this calmed my concerns in a weird way, but I was still nervous about whatever made that sound. Once we had gotten the truck fixed, we continued our drive, but friend one slammed on the brakes and started shouting in Arabic that there was something in the road. I was startled, but everyone else in the truck was really more annoyed than anything. But standing up and beginning to shout at whatever was in the road, I peeked above the top of the truck to get a look at whatever it was. It looked a whole lot like the djinn that I had encountered when taking care of the Palestinian girl. So this is the dude from the first story. Oh. But it seemed a lot bigger and more ape-like. It began beating its chest and howling in response to this absolute chaos. So friend one gets out of his truck with his pocket copy of the Quran brandishing it like he's about to smack the thing with it, all while shouting verses in unison with everyone else. I joined in and whatever this thing was, hissed in pain and sprinted off on all fours. The small burst of adrenaline wore off and I was left absolutely bewildered at what had just happened. When I asked friend one about it, he just shrugged and said to me, ghouls I guess, like it was just another everyday occurrence. Yeah, no, no, nope, 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 no, nope. When someone just casually says it could be ghouls, you know they've seen some things. Yeah. Well, to me, ghouls are usually, um... I think of... I, I, I kind of think more like a zombie. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, they're gonna come, they're gonna ramble after me and hurt me. But from what I've seen, there's, like, many different spellings of djinn and genie and things like that. So I guess ghoul is just another word for a djinn. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or spirit. Huh. Learn something new every day. Well, yeah, if you think about it, uh, that um, valley was called Baton el Ghul, and it translated to Belly of the Beast, so Ghoul could just translate to Beast. Oh, yeah, I didn't think about that. I didn't until just now, but... Well, thank you, sir. But that is all I have on that for today. So now you can wonder if Mara is a djinn or... Just a very angry princess. Angry princess. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. She excels at anger. Well, thank you for the story, Kraku. It was... See, I, I liked this one. I... Yeah, there was a lot of interesting stuff with this one. Yeah, it's not like the chill, happy Mishipeshu, um, and, uh, Bunyip, 
but it's it's cool. I like it. I dig it. All right. Well, then, our one last reminder, guys, that next week we will be releasing on Tuesday. I don't know why I just did a two with my fingers, like a peace sign. I don't know. We're going to be releasing on Tuesday uh, on Halloween for a creepy story. Uh, it's going to be another Krako tale. Um, I don't think I'm looking forward to it. And that one, that one will be a little more. Yeah, that one will be a little more. Mo's not going to sleep tonight. Dude, I hate you. Not really. All right. But yeah, so remember next week releasing on Tuesday. And then after that, back to a motel on our normal Thursday. So thank you guys. We love you very much. And we will see you next week. Bye. As always, make sure to check out our website for all of the show notes, sources, and more information at thesquonkandthehag.com. And we would also love and appreciate your support by either leaving a review on iTunes or through small monthly donations using the viewer support link in the description. And if you don't subscribe, make sure to follow us on your favorite podcast network to get notified of new episodes every Thursday. All right, Krakow, you ready? Okay, bye.